Welcome to the Follow Up Podcast. <laughs> Is that royalty free music? No. It's what? called Amends by Jasmine Kent and Jeff Lober. I would love to include that, but if it was copyrighted, then. <laughs> Today's show is brought to you by <laughs> Diet Coke, Kirkland Water, and lots and lots of red wine. I feel like I shouldn't be this happy going into a group talk. <laughs> well, welcome to the follow-up podcast. My name is Hayden. I am the worship director here at Arbor Church, and today I am joined by Allison. Hey, good to see you. Good to see you. And... A departure from our last call podcast, Brian has been sequestered back to the booth because we've had too many issues with our recording, <laughs> so Boo. we need someone on it. Yeah, I'm sorry, Brian. Please put all of your concerns and grievances in the comment section. <laughs> um, we, the last couple of weeks, we've had um, recording issues that we have no idea why they're happening, so we decided to uh, just ask Brian to... OCD our recording process. So hopefully this week we have no issues and uh, it'll be great. So yesterday, Allison, we got to hear from you and you spoke on um, Psalm 40, 42, mm-hmm. 42, that's correct. Sorry. Psalm 42. And what was the, the working title around your, your sermon? I don't even know if I landed on one. Yeah. I think it was close to living with loss. Living like with how loss. does somebody live with loss? Yeah, I don't feel like I need to ask where the inspiration for that message came from because I feel like it's pretty obvious with what's going on um, here at Arbor, but also I feel like everyone should know this by now, but you are um, in charge of grief share here at the church, and obviously you've had a unfortunate amount of grief that you've gone through in your life, but um, was there any other inspirations or reasons why you wanted to speak on this besides the very obvious of what's happening right now at our church? Yeah, so I I feel like 2020 just seems to be one loss after another and that it's not so arbor-centric that we have loss or transition or change or grief. It's like I think the nation and the world, you know, has been just dealing with repetitive, cumulative losses. So... As people of Christian faith, how do you handle mm. all of that? Like, what do you do with it all? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you chose a scripture that um, I sang a song on a couple weeks ago, and it's been one of my favorite worship songs for a long time called Satisfied in You. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that was just like the Holy Spirit working to prime us for that piece of scripture? Was it something that you had heard when I sang that? But I believe when we were talking, it was something that, why am I familiar with Psalm 42? And then you came yeah. across the song that I had done a couple weeks ago yeah. at our service, but also like two weeks before that on social media. Right. Was that, um, what came first, the, the title and the inspiration for the message or that scripture? Yeah, so knowing the situation that we're in here at Arbor, I wanted to teach from a passage that would relate really well to us Mm -hmm. and that would maybe capture some of the nuances of what we're working through. 
And so I was kind of coming through scripture and um, looking for examples. I kind of bypassed all the regular yeah. grief things like, you know, somebody dying, like losing a child slash losing a brother or mm. whatever. Um, and I wanted something a little more unique. And I found the story of King David running from his son and, um, you know, it was kind of a threat to the kingdom. Mm -hmm. And so anyhow, David just happened to be writing psalms or songs or prayers when he was on the run. So it just, mm -hmm. there were a lot of reasons it just seemed to click for me. Like this story I can really relate to um, on the level of David's compounded loss. Yeah. Yeah. And it's something that uh, David was very familiar with, right? Running <laughs> from persecution, right? From his right. son, but also... The exact same thing happened with Saul, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that psalm is so interesting to me because a lot of people just pick one verse out of that. And it seems, I feel like everyone's heard that, that line, as a deer pants for water. Um, what is it? So my soul thirsts for mm -hmm. you. Is that mm -hmm. like the line? Mm -hmm. um, I feel like I've seen that verse so often, like, like at my grandma's house on an embroidered napkin, you know? And it's always like a little like cherished, like, oh, like I desire God, um, you know, like a deer thirst for water. But the context of that verse isn't necessarily um, what matches a sentiment mm -hmm. behind that one line, right? Mm -hmm. Like we pull that out as a, um, I rely on God, that's where mm -hmm. I get my strength. But that Psalm is soaked in misery mm -hmm. and sorrow. And it's not, I mean, there is um, redemption found in that, that mm -hmm. Psalm. But the majority, when you read through it, it's a pretty depressing psalm, right? Well, it is. Yeah, and I actually, I learned so much more about it, just immersing myself in it this week and last week. And the correlation of being so dried out because you're spiritually thirsty, your soul is thirsty, mm -hmm. but you have just been crying so many tears. Mm -hmm. You know, he talks about how, tears were the things that he was consuming instead yeah. of food so here you have like lots of moisture around yeah. in the form of tears yeah. but meanwhile you're like wrung out like a rag yeah. you know and and then he talks later even more about water he talks about how grief is like billows and waves that mm -hmm. cover him and he is plunged to the depths you know of yeah. sorrow so it just it just really I felt captured the spirit of where we're at and kind of if Arbor wrote a psalm, maybe they would write this kind of a psalm, you <laughs> yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a psalm um, that I appreciate because I think that, I think we're getting to a spot in the Christian church and um, even like the United States Christian church, right, where we are getting to a point where we're willing to, you know, destigmatize mm -hmm. depression and grief and just not being okay, right? Mm -hmm. But I feel like when I was a kid, and, and probably the same for you, it was more of like, you're okay, let's push through this, let's mm -hmm. get better. And psalms like these, I feel like, are kind of having like a renaissance because we're realizing that we can mm -hmm. be in that moment, right? Mm -hmm. We don't have to push through this grief and this pain. Mm -hmm. We can sit there and acknowledge our humanity, right? We do have an eternal godly faith, right? We have a faith in Hope. God. Yeah. And we have access to the most powerful being in the, in the world, right? But 
we can't downplay our emotions and what we're mm -hmm. feeling, right? Because that just leads to it not getting resolved in the end. Well, the thing I, in the sermon that I compared it to was when my body wakes up in the morning and it tells me I need coffee, yeah. I actually go and get coffee. Yeah. I, like don't, I don't go to get a smoothie and I don't go get tea. I go and get coffee. Yeah. And so when my soul is telling me, you need God, I can't go to Netflix or nachos or nightcaps yeah. for that satisfaction. Mm -hmm. It's those things do some numbing, but they don't actually satisfy. Yeah. The only thing that satisfies my body in the morning is coffee. And the only thing that will really satisfy my soul is the Lord. Yeah. So identifying your pain means you actually know how to f help fill it. So yeah. Yeah, it's not putting a pretty bow on it by any means because no. God doesn't promise to take away all yeah. of our pain. Yeah. But, yeah. Hey, Hayden, I want to see how close you and I are friends because when I heard this sermon, I just, I feel like you and I have a connection here, man. <laughs> when we Allison do. says nightcaps, yeah. where does your mind go? TV, TV show. See if you and I are the same. Oh, man. You're putting me on the spot. I am. Nightcap? See how, yeah, nightcaps. I don't know. Oh, man, we're not friends. What is it? Gilmore Girls. Oh, Gilmore Girls. Yeah, yeah. they always have, yep, after yeah. dinner. Laura, <laughs> Emily and uh, Laura Richard. Lorelai? Yeah, well, oh. Lorelai, yeah. Yeah, and Richard would always want have a nightcap. Oh, yeah. Emily. <laughs> oh, I know you guys are Gilmore Girl fans. Oh, I, we are huge Gilmore Girl friends. I, no way. Finally, we have something to connect on. <laughs> I had an older sister who loved the show. I still have an older sister who loves the show. Um, but uh, that's that was my introduction, and I thought it was a girl show for sure. And then I watched it. I'm like, this is really good. I don't know what got Brian into the show, but my wife. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wife, Except yeah. Rory just could not figure it out with no. the guys. So no, she anyhow, couldn't. she couldn't. More on that later. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of grief, did we just create a Gilmore Girls talk show podcast? What <laughs> twenty years late? Yeah, twenty years late. Um, yeah, so. I kind of, I don't want to jump ahead um, too much, but how how difficult of a sermon was this to put together, in in light of what's going on and what you've been through, and um, you know, leading grief share and all of that. How hard was this? Something actually really easy for you because you talk about grief quite a bit, or because so much of this is fresh, was it a challenging thing to put down on? pen and paper or fingers to keyboard? I think the thing most people think of when they think of grief is death. And mm -hmm. so you think about who's the last person you lost, mm -hmm. how'd that feel, and did you heal from that well? But I think redefining grief, like um, I talked in the sermon about um, loss of trust or a break in trust mm -hmm. breaks your heart. Yeah. And so that's a grief or a loss on a different level. The person actually doesn't have to be dead, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, for yeah. you to experience that loss. So there were lots of parallels in grief share. We learned all sorts of things about like healthy coping mm -hmm. with and healthy, what helps you heal from, from grief. Mm -hmm. And so it actually was... Um, kind of like preaching to my soul a little bit, like reminding me of the things that you should do and not do. And um, I want to heal well. 
Yeah. You know, we all want to heal well. We don't want to have weird scars mm -hmm. and we don't want to have anything weirdly show up later and yeah. people go, oh, she just actually never healed from that thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. so it was actually really good. It was mm -hmm. medicinal for me and it's my prayer that it helps mm -hmm. other people, you know, as they're healing as well. Yeah. <clears throat> Would you say that was your, was, was the main goal of this message, um, was it to get people to start talking about what they're experiencing? Was it um, to slow people down? Because we've, we've talked at length about the speed at which some people want to recover from things like this, right? They want to just move into it. Mm -hmm. um, or was, was it just the conversation of let's kind of destigmatize this, right? It's mm -hmm. just because we as a church didn't experience a death, it doesn't mean that we're not grieving something or there's not a loss. Um, right. Yeah. And that we find ourselves carrying this mm -hmm. ache with us all through our work day, mm -hmm. through our, you know, we, we go about our lives carrying this like a backpack almost, right? It's a weight of grief or a, a weight of, of loss. So yeah. I think a lot of people don't know really how to manage that. Like, yeah. how do I run the race with this huge backpack on? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think my, my hope was that not so much to destigmatize, but just to to guide. Mm -hmm. This Psalm 42 is typified as a guidance psalm, so it actually was written to instruct and help. Yeah. So I look to it like, okay, so guide and instruct us on how to work through this kind of grief. Mm -hmm. So it was like, name, name your losses, yeah. and remember it's okay to not be okay. Mm -hmm. um, and then to speak truth over yourself too, which is like preaching to mm -hmm. yourself God's truth yeah. and reminding yourself. <laughs> so even though you say like, why so downcast on my soul? Like, yeah. yes, that's true. But then the psalmist is saying like, don't forget that God is going to be your savior. He's going to like pull you out of this. So mm -hmm. yes, feel the pain, but don't stay there. Like remember yeah. that God's got a good plan for you. Yeah. On so. that, Allison, in your sermon, you said feeling pain doesn't mean God is far in fact, it actually means the opposite, that, that God is near. And the question I have for you is, I agree with that. I think Hayden would agree with that and many of our listeners. But how is that the case for a non-believer? Hmm. Like if a non-believer heard your sermon yesterday and, they, and you, they heard you say that, mm -hmm. like how could they agree or feel what you're, experience what you're saying right there? Mm. I would love to have this conversation in person with a non-believer who's wrestling through grief, and I would love to say, like, where is, where is the comfort? Because in my life, I, I think I can only speak really to my experience, which is my deep ache and, and void after loss mm -hmm. has only been met by God's fathomless love. Mm -hmm. And I can't... I don't know of anything else that could do that, um, that could meet me on a soul level. Mm. Like I could think of things that could like match me on a physical level, probably mm -hmm. things of this world outside of God, maybe, but I can't imagine finding soul peace yeah. without actually God's presence yeah. there. So, um, and I kind of tried to describe that in the sermon as being like a deep, deep place. Like when, they're, when the psalmist says deep cries out to deep, mm -hmm. it's like that deep well inside of you that needs something 
to fix or, or fill it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like in my experience, the only thing that has worked is the Lord on yeah. that. So um, I don't know how people go through these kinds of waves of trauma over and over again mm -hmm. without actually having that soul care mm -hmm. from the Holy Spirit. Yeah. I, so I, I actually would welcome you know, that conversation. I'd love to hear how other people navigate that outside of faith. Yeah. Um, it's, it's interesting that Brian brought that up of, um, you know, speaking to someone who isn't a follower of Jesus, right? Um, in the Psalm, it says, I don't know who, it, who they attribute it to, but they say, you know, where is your God, right? Mm -hmm. Kind of the questions um, of... Why is your God here with you if you're so devoted to him and you're so faithful to following him? That, to me, seems to be one of the largest questions that I receive from people in my life who aren't believers, right? Why does, why does God allow bad things to happen, right? Or why would God allow this to happen? And I, I think it's so interesting because I think it's a deep psychological disconnect with us, right? Like we understand God to be loving and all-powerful, and then we have these basic human questions of like, why would you let this happen? And it doesn't, I think it, it, it transcends <clears throat> your understanding, your faith in God, right? Because that is a very basic human reaction, mm -hmm. right? Of why is this happening? Mm -hmm. Like the why question will always come up of what was the, what was the need? What was, what was going to come out of this? And all that to be said, I don't have an answer for it, but I just think it's, um, I, something that I have leaned into in the last couple of years is kind of acknowledging my own humanity, right? I am, I am made in God's image, but I am still fleshly, right? Mm -hmm. And that's where we kind of come together in this spot where we, we have flesh and the Holy Spirit living, you know, as one, as one uh, body, right? And I think that's, that's the challenge when you hear things like that, because it can bring you back down when someone else calls out and says, where's your God? Why would God let this happen to you? And there is a very basic response of, I don't know. At the moment, I don't know. All I know is that I hurt, and I'm going to trust God, even though it's incredibly difficult. And um, I just, I love that, that Brian brought up that question, and the Psalms even say that. They say, where is your God? And, and then it's so cool that the same psalmist writes later that... Um, God is near to the brokenhearted and yeah. saves those who are crushed in spirit. So it's like, not only is he not, not there, yeah. you know, when you're in pain, he actually is closer. Yeah. He actually is there with you. Mm -hmm. And that compels me in my work. I always say on uh, Monday nights at Grief Share, I'm like, I love being here because I know God is here. He's yeah. amongst the brokenhearted. Yeah. And so our whole church was founded on wanting to help the grieving, addicted, and yeah. the lost. We wanted to help the hurting. Mm -hmm. And it almost, it just compelled me to be here at Arbor. Yeah. We were uniquely and are uniquely shaped yeah. to help the hurting. Mm -hmm. And that means God is present here, yeah. you know? And it's, so, it's not so much that, like, just because you're a person of faith, you would mm -hmm. avoid trouble. Yeah. I think that's prosperity gospel yeah. talking. 100%. And it's saying God's will for you is health and wealth and, yep. you know, the best of everything. Mm -hmm. And and actually was that Christ's example. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if health, wealth, and mm -hmm. all the, you know, bells and whistles of life was the way that he moved about this earth. Yeah. He was a man well acquainted with sorrow, right? Yeah. And um, so I don't know. And then obviously he didn't have the flashy... No. lifestyle and 
picture perfect Instagram life. So yeah, anyhow, I, yeah, you see in in the Bible that um, the disciples during Jesus Jesus's ministry always struggled for money. You mm-hmm. know, and if you want to talk about health, I mean, he was sweating blood in the garden. <laughs> he was anxious. Mm-hmm. And like, died at 33. Yeah. A lot of us would look at that yeah. like, wow, that's a tragic early end to a life. Yeah. And 33, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, yeah, I would, I would definitely, you know, push back on that. But that's another conversation. Um, but uh, you said something earlier. You said um, naming your loss. Mm-hmm. And um, I was thinking about we had a conversation um, and we've had many conversations. People have asked me, they've said, you know, how are you doing through all of this? And something that I've been challenging myself is um, to not just give the same answer, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you've experienced that with Grief Share, but it's like right now my response is it's crazy. It, I'd never expect anything like this to happen. And I, and I see that as almost a coping mechanism of not processing, right? Mm-hmm. It's just so much easier to, to rely on a default answer mm-hmm. of like, man, this is wild. Mm-hmm. But then when I sit back and think about it, I'm like, what are the actual mm-hmm. emotions that are flowing through? And what's the actual thoughts that I'm having? And I, and I have been challenging myself, but I think that it's, it's really something that we have to go through. Because when we start to name the feelings and the reasons why we're getting an emotional rise out of ourselves, whether it's anger, sadness, any of the gambit, right? Mm-hmm. You start to understand yourself and why that's happening, and then you get to a spot of like, okay, this is maybe not why this happened, because I don't know if we'll ever be able to answer some of those questions, but you start to understand why you feel that way, and I think it it very well leads into, um, in some areas, forgiveness, if there's forgiveness that needs to happen, or understanding, or just allowing you to... um, have more faith, I guess, or, or, mm-hmm. or re-strengthen your faith mm-hmm. in God. So, um, yeah, was was the the entirety of your sermon, was it just based around the research of Psalm 42, or did you dip into some more of your uh, grief share resources? Or I sprinkled grief share sprinkled. a little bit in there. I, I just realized that, you know, grief share is for people who have loss associated with death. Yeah. And so... Um, not 100% of yeah. the tie-ins are accurate, but um, even just this week, it was yeah. interesting. Our grief share subject was talked about our thought life and how our mm-hmm. thought life impacts our healing. Oh, for sure. And so if you have faulty thinking about your situation, like I am to blame for somebody's mm. death or, you know, whatever, um, that's going to lead to some um, unhealthy behaviors after that. Yeah. So the way you think impacts how you live your life, yeah. right? If you feel like you're under guilt and shame, you live your life in guilt and shame. So anyhow, they were encouraging the participants to like think accurately about about your situation mm-hmm. um, because that's a healthy way to heal. Yeah. So it just reminded me even too like how important it is for us as a church, you know, to be thinking accurately so that we can heal in a healthy way. Yeah. Um, so some of that comes through the processing. And, and if you have a trusted friend who's able to say, actually, you may not be on, you know, completely right here. Have you thought about it this way? Like we can help each other reframe yeah. and remember um, God's truth about yeah. the situation that we're dealing with. Yeah. So, which is really helpful to be in that community, mm-hmm. have people you can soundboard with. They can kind of reflect back to you if you're off course or anything. Yeah. 
Yeah. Did you have something, Brian? I do. Allison, I don't know if this is something that comes up in Grief Share, uh, but I do have a question, or even if you have an answer for this. Um, but in the moments of my life where I grieved, I grieved a loss of something, in me there, there was a, and maybe you encountered this too with the grief that you have, but there was a moment of like identity crisis mm. that I realized that I belong to a certain group of people. So I've talked to people in the past who have lost both parents, even at you know an older age, and they've said to me like, "I'm now an orphan," mm. or um, just or something like that. Like you now identify with a group of people that you before knew about, but it's like, wait, I'm dumb. I'm one of them. So does grief share yeah. talk about identity or trying to? Well, they talk a lot about a change of identity because all of a sudden maybe you're not somebody's daughter anymore, mm. right? And so, um, you know, or somebody's brother mm. um, or a, a, a spouse. You know, mm. like your identity can shift automatically. But I think what I hear you saying, though, is more that you have relationship with other sufferers like, so if I have experienced grief, no matter how my heart broke, I can identify with other people who've had their hearts broken as well. Mm. And it can be like a loss of a home, like a refugee, or it can be a loss of a lifestyle, like a uh, job loss, mm. or um, a, a tragic accident that, you know, you're now disabled and can't yeah. function at the same way that you used to. Like... Loss breaks our heart, yeah. <laughs> and it causes grief, um, no matter how. And then all of a sudden, we're able to identify with other people, the walking wounded, mm. right? So, um, yeah, it does mix up your identity a lot. You, um, are, a lot of your um, perceptions about how successful you are in life to craft your own path <laughs> or fate, yeah. all of a sudden, those get challenged, um, because mm -hmm. maybe you're not in control of everything. Yeah. And that's weird. Yeah. That's weird to realize. So is it a good thing to identify with, whatever, say whatever it is, say somebody who, um, like a, a wounded veteran, like is, it, like is it a good, healthy thing to go, yes, I am a wounded, uh, a wounded veteran, or is it better to try and get past it and find like a bigger identity? Not saying that's that, a great that, question. That's bad. Like, is it? My my question is: Is it okay, right, to accept and stay in, or are you supposed to try and break out? I think there's a couple different thoughts about that. I actually was reading about prosperity gospel in the this summer. Um, I was, anyhow. Long story short, <laughs> the way that you think about yourself um, can bring blessing. Like you can mm. speak life over yourself um, and bring blessing. Anyhow, long story yeah. short, if you called yourself disabled then, does that mean that you live a lesser life? Mm. Or do you say, I'm a person with a disability? So if I say, I am a person with a broken heart, um, that's different than me saying, I'm a broken-hearted person for yeah. some reason. So I can function in this world with um, identity like a broken heart, um, but that doesn't limit me. It actually just connects me to other, other people. A community. Yeah, a community. Yeah. But it's also important, I think, to have um, 
right thinking about that, and that's what we had studied yeah. in Grief Share this week. Um, I don't know. I had this really small example. Do you mind me telling a story? <laughs> Go for quick it, story. Yeah. Um, Brian, I don't know if you remember this. I think it happened while you were working here, but um, it was after the death of my mom, mm. and um, I had just walked out of a traumatic hospice experience. Anyhow, I was at home. I was getting ready for work. I reached in the garage door to make the garage door go open, and when I went to touch the garage door button, there was like, I think it was a squirrel or a rodent. It was huge, and it like flipped its tail. freaked me out like a monster. Anyhow, I slammed the, the door, the entry door. I called my husband. I was like, oh my gosh, you gotta come home. Yeah. Open the garage door. He's like, I'm in a meeting. <laughs> so then I call my neighbor. He was like, I'm on a ferry. I can't do that. <laughs> then I called, I actually called Jake and I was like, I can't come to work today because I can't open the garage door. There's something like something scary in the garage. And he was like, just bang a pot or a pan on the door and scare the thing away and then open it. So I did that. I like banged the heck out of the store. So anyhow, I cried all the way up the 405 on my wow. way up to Arbor because I was so upset that, and I said, in my feelings of upsetness, I said, why am I always alone when something scary happens? Mm. And it was like saying that out loud, God was able to like stop me right there and meet me mm. in that space. Yeah. And he said, he just called to mind, I was not alone mm -hmm. when my mom was dying and it was a traumatic hospice experience. Mm -hmm. God was there with me. Yeah. But if I had lived my life thinking, I am always alone when something scary happens, mm. I, I feel like that would transform me into a person that I don't want to be or mm. that God called me to be because that's yeah. actually not true. Yeah. Right? So anyhow, that was just my little like epiphany moment yeah. of you know, like not letting wrong thinking yeah. take root. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important yeah. in trauma. Yeah. Um, something that I feel like we should have addressed closer to the beginning of the podcast, but it just slipped out of my brain. Um, you said something interesting when we were uh, eating lunch today before we started filming. You said um, to not rank your pain, and mm -hmm. that's a big thing. And that's something that, um, you know, I am someone in this this podcast, yourself and Brian, I haven't lost somebody in my immediate family, right? Like I haven't lost a parent or um, any siblings. And for the most part, you know, no aunts or uncles or cousins or anything like that. But we talked about um, how back in middle school, when my childhood dog passed away, I remember it was like the most traumatic thing I'd ever experienced. And I remember it was like, I was like maybe eighth grade and I was just bawling my eyes out, eyes out all day because it was like this was the closest thing to me that had passed away. Um, and I remember how painful that was. And since then, there's been things like, um, you know, kids I went to high school with, like they passed away when I was in high school or um, different experiences throughout college and where I'm at now in life. And one of the truths that I've realized is that pain isn't any different, right? Mm -hmm. um, maybe that'll be different when I lose a loved one, but kind of what I'm trying to get at is like pain is pain, right? When it is in front of you and you are walking through it, um, an experience like what we're experiencing here at the church right now or even a, a, lo a loved one um, or like a divorce or a loss of job, it's, it's pain and it hurts 
And a lot of times you can't see past it, right? Mm -hmm. Like, um, I mean, I know Brian and I've talked about, like, I, we can't see, you know, more than a few months ahead. And I imagine you've experienced that as well of, like, you get clouded in the pain and you can't really see what's in front of you and it can feel kind of hopeless. But I think that, like, there's some people, and I definitely identified with this. In college, I had a friend whose mom passed away, Brian. I was friends with him. His dad passed away, like... Anytime I felt pain, I started to think of myself like, well, I didn't lose a parent, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I can't feel too bad about this because, you know, this friend lost this mm -hmm. or that friend lost that. And I think it's very damaging. I think perspective is great. I think that having a perspective on your life and the experiences you've walked through is an amazing thing to have. But to downplay what you're feeling mm -hmm. is so damaging in the long run because then you don't process it and you don't <laughs> heal from it. And um, I even thought about taking it back to the Bible. You look at David. Mm -hmm. He experienced almost the identical thing earlier in his life where mm -hmm. Saul was hunting him down mm -hmm. and wanted to kill him. And Brian can correct me if I'm wrong, but like Saul was a father figure to David mm -hmm. and his best friend's dad. Like, mm -hmm. someone, like not his son, like where you see with Absalom, but someone that he was close to. And, and respected and, yeah, in and so many ways. Yeah. He wouldn't harm the Lord's anointed. Yeah. It was very important to him yeah. that he didn't bring harm to yeah. Saul. Yeah. So he was never in an offensive position. Yeah. He was always defensive. Yeah. So. And I think that what we see in Psalm 42 is he is very downtrodden, right? Mm -hmm. He is experiencing a lot of pain. But the biggest thing that I think that we can see from David is that he's learned that God is faithful, right? Mm -hmm. So even though he's feeling this immense pain that he can't see through, he is acknowledging, like, you are going to get me through this, God. Mm -hmm. Even if it hurts like hell, like, and this is the worst thing I'm experiencing, I know because of who you are and who you've been in the past that you will continue to be that same person. Yeah. And that's, I imagine I will go through a lot more death and loss in my life. And, um, those, that pain will still be there, but it's just remembering that God has been good, just like David knew that. Even though David was this broken guy, he still remembered, this hurts, but I know what you did last time, and That's I'm right. going to have faith that you're going to do it again. And he even says that in the middle. He says um, that he is going to, therefore, like, my soul is downcast. Yeah. Therefore... <laughs> Like, so he's got a fix. Yeah. Therefore, I will remember you yeah. from the mountains, from Hermon and the little mountain, you know, yeah. Mizra. When you showed your face to me, yeah. It's like you showed up for me in these places. So I think of my, my own places that God showed up. Yeah. And those are the places that I can point to yeah. knowing that he's going to do it again. Yeah. And you know what? He showed up here for us at Arbor Church. Yeah. I don't, and so I expect him fully yeah. to be doing that again. Yeah. Totally expect amen. him to be doing that again. <laughs> That's what I was going to say, Brian. Amen. amen. We got to wrap up, guys. We got to wrap up. That's fine. That's so, so fun to talk about grief. Yeah. <laughs> That's the, my favorite subject. Um, <laughs> anything from your sermon you had to leave, leave out? Oh, so much. You had a short sermon. I did. I, I wanted to leave enough space for breathing. Yeah. Yeah. Because it just felt um, like it was a message of the heart instead yeah. of the head. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I think the only thing I really left out was I loved how the psalm talked about how God directs his love to us. Mm. And I could almost picture him, like, hearing our cry and then saying to his love, like, go there. Yeah. Go, go here. You yeah. know, like, go. And mm -hmm. he directs it over to us when he 
knows we need it the most. Yeah. So anyhow, it was a sweet awesome. sermon. To yeah. Loved it. Loved my time in yeah. Psalm 42. It's a great psalm. Brian, anything? I do not. You answered all of my questions, Allison. Thank you very much. All of your questions. <laughs> all of my questions. Awesome. So, Why did Rory make so many bad decisions to kill more girls? Not get answered. There's so many, so many unanswered questions about that show. All right, we'll even, get it next time. Even the Netflix, like, after f- the future years, too. So many questions. Um, do we want to talk a, just a short amount about our next sermon series? Brian! We are going to be starting a series next week, our Christmas series, called Still. Still. And it is amazing because it is just talking about the concept of, of being patient, being still, and also just not worrying. And if, as you guys know me, I am a warrior. So yeah. it's a series that I'm excited to preach, preach in. I get one sermon next week. I finally get to talk about... I, my voice gets to be heard way more in the podcast next week. I'm so excited. I'll go run the sound, and you can sit here. We need to get Allison a manual for how to run everything back there. Piece of cake. How hard could it be? Very, obviously, yeah. the last few podcasts. Yeah. It's going to be really ironic if, if we make these comments, and then I go back and edit it, and it's just like all you can hear is... <laughs> Trash. Yeah, just trash audio. We'll just record, re- record it. Re-record <laughs> yeah. it. Re-record? Yeah. Re-record. So we're going to be preaching... Uh, I say we, but I'm not, I don't have a week, so it's you two are, are part of it, right? It's then, actually Hetherington and, oh, just and he- Brian. Heather- yeah. Hetherington and Brian Scott Hetherington. Okay. Because um, you got grief this week. Yeah. So Lucky, lucky me. <laughs> good grief. Um, but... Um, <laughs> can <good>. you... <laughs> Man, you've been doing some good jokes this week. Oh, the Costco receipt. <laughs> that was a good joke. Um, yeah, so we're going to be doing that till the first week of January. Is that correct? That's right. And, and then we, after that... We'll it's going to be a good time, it's man. It's going to be a good time. Um, well, thank you guys for joining us. Allison, thank you for your great message on grief. And thank you. I'm not going to say thank you yet, Brian. I'll put a little editor note at the bottom of the video, like right here, that says thank you, Brian, for making the audio sound good. If, and if, if it doesn't did. sound good, <laughs> then I'll just cut right now. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, anyways, thank you guys so much for watching, and we will see you guys next week.